Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. This is Pastor Sarah Levecki, and this is the recording of our most recent Sunday sermon. We hope you enjoy. I want to really read some scripture today, and I want really to you to hear the situation. All right? This is Matthew 15, 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely or badly demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. (laughs) Uh, And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. (laughs) Oh, man. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great, in Greek, mega, is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now, I'm going to go over to Mark. I'm going to read the same passage. Now, Matthew, let me give you who Matthew is. Who who is Matthew? Matthew uh, used to be Levi. And Levi was a tax collector. And Jesus called Levi to follow him while he was at work. You know what that means? That means that the call of God is inconvenient. And it's not when you feel like it or when you're good and ready or when, you, when it works for your schedule or when you can pencil them in. It's either you respond to the invitation or you miss out. We have lost the radicalness of the call of God and we pencil Jesus in. And we're miss, if you have that mentality that he's not first, you'll miss it. Because if anything is before the kingdom, you won't have the kingdom. You'll have whatever it is that you want more than the kingdom. So Levi is a tax collector. He made a great living on extorting his own people. So Jesus goes, come follow me. And that's really not the type of guy, realistically, that you want to build a ministry with. It's like, you know, inviting a bookie to come follow you. Some of you don't know what a bookie is. Joseph knows what a bookie is. So, so you, you know, you invite a bookie to come follow you. He goes, okay, pal, no problem. And he, and he gets up and leaves and he follows you. So, these are, so some of the people that Jesus chose were actually some unsavory people. Just so you know. So some of you feel comfortable. So Matthew decided to follow Jesus. And he went from Levi... To Matthew. Catch that. Levi, let me run that back on you, decided to follow Jesus and he became Matthew. He goes through a transformational process where he goes from 
taking from the people of God and enriching himself off of the people of God and using the Roman structure of oppression to enrich himself to giving people what money can't buy. Look at how God dignifies someone who has no dignity, someone who will steal from his own people, someone who will steal from oppressed people. No dignity. No dignity. That is really greasy and nasty and, and disgusting. And God takes that man and transforms that man as that man follows Jesus and causes that man to pen the gospel of the kingdom and causes that man to be a best-selling author and causes that man to give to people what money can't buy. Amen. Following Jesus makes you significant. Your career will not make you significant. Amen. I hope you have a rock star career. I hope you do absolutely well. I just hope that a career doesn't have you. I just hope you have a career. I really hope that, that, that that's really gets into your heart and into your spirit. Because if it doesn't, when Jesus says, come follow me, you'll be like, nah, I can't do that. I got, got everything else but you. So that you don't, you don't want to be that person. Now, Mark 7, uh, 24. I'm going to give you a brief synopsis on who is Mark. Mark, John Mark, was the first bishop of Alexandria. And he was African. Just so you know, the guy who wrote this was African. Amen. You know, I know that we think of the Bible as written by white Trump supporters. But, <laughs> but honestly, honestly, the, the Bible is actually a brown book. If you want to talk historically and you want to have accuracy to it, this is just the honest reality. Amen. Just so you know. So this guy was the bishop of Alexandria, and he's the one who wrote the gospel. Now, this is really Peter's account. So Peter is talking to John Mark, who became the bishop. You see that? Who you follow, watch this, who you follow determines who you become. Yes. He followed Peter. He became the bishop of Alexandria. He goes from Peter's assistant. Look at this. He goes from Peter's assistant to the Bishop of Alexandria, to the writer of the Gospel of Mark. So let me just tell you this very clearly. Who you follow and who you roll with determines who you become. Brother Garcia has told us that if you show me your friends, then I'll show you your future. Isn't that what he said? So, so who said that? Your mom. Okay. She's here in living color. We got, the, we got the quote with us. So, so now, so this is important because especially, let me tell you when especially this is important. This is especially important when you're trying to come out of Egypt and you're trying to get Egypt out of you. That is especially when it is the most important that you surround yourself with people that can help you. Who you surround yourself with and the voices that speak in your ear during that time are the most critical to the trajectory and to the momentum of your life in Christ. Just so you know. That's why when Jesus said to these guys, come follow me, they spent three years with him. They, he severed, severed all other attachments and connections. Severed. Gone. What happens to the army? You go to the army, what do they do? First thing they do, shave your head. They take your nice little beard if you have one, that's gone too. 
and they give you a different set of rules, a different set of identity, a different set of purpose, and they teach you discipline because you will not go the distance without that. And it's the same thing, but in Christ, we go to church once a week when we feel like it. We show up late. We're, we're, we're sloppy. The devotional life is eh. You know, we're poisoning ourselves with 10 other things. So what would take three years takes 15 years because of, of the, 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 the lack of intensity and intention. That's why sometimes we're waiting on God, but in fact, God is waiting on us. So anyway, so this is Mark, just so you know. So Mark is an African bishop, just so you know. And so now we're going to read him, and then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go back and forth, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us, because there's something specific that God wants to say. Because now, I don't know if you know this, but today is Mother's Day, and here you have a mother crying out for her daughter. So... This, this is important because I'll just tell you personally, like I said a few minutes ago, I am the recipient of the cry of a mother. I am the beneficiary of that. So while she's not here to cook me dinner or to encourage me, her words and what she taught me is real, real down deep on the inside. And I realize that I'm living with what she cried out for. So that's sobering because if I say that I honor her and I say that I honor the Lord, then I should steward what God gave me that she asked for. Okay? There you go. Now, Mark 7, 24. From there he arose and went from the region Tyre of Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it. <laughs> he was peopled out. Have you ever been peopled out? D gets peopled out. And I understand that. I, <laughs> Sarah did such a nice thing for me. What did you do for me yesterday? You left me all alone. Isn't that nice? That's so beautiful. And anyway, so, okay. So Jesus is doing ministry. He's just got into it with the religious people. No one is more tiring than religious people. Because religious people think they know, but don't really know. They are, they are the most tiring, exhausting people uh, who you can interact with. Now, so he, he wants to get away from them. He was just talking to them about defilement, that you're not defiled from the outside by dirty hands when you eat your food, but you're defiled from the inside when bitterness and wickedness and all the other malice and you know, lust and all those things uh, come out of you. That's real defilement. So that means, let's talk. Let's talk about that. That means if you get into a rough situation and venom starts coming out of your mouth, then you have poison on the inside of you. You have poison on the inside of you. It'll kill you if you don't get rid of it. It'll kill you. It, it'll send people to an early grave. Just so you know, I'm saying that because I love you, not because I'm trying to be a jerk. Now, so he wanted to go into a house but, but could not be hidden. Could not be hidden because he was doing healing. And when you're doing healing and signs and wonders happen, people are noticing what's happening and it's difficult. When I was with my friend T in the mall, people come up to him, people know him. So once you, once you reach a certain level of people knowing you, it's difficult to just go places because people know you. So it's, you know, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Um, anyway. 
For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, and she came and fell down at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast a demon out of her. But Jesus said, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs from the table, uh, from the children's crumbs. Eat, excuse me, under the table, eat from the children's crumbs. So if you have children, <laughs> they are worse than dogs. Dogs will clean your crumbs. Children will leave crumbs. They make the crumbs. So the little doggies will eat the crumbs. There he goes. Then he said, For this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out of her, and her daughter was lying on her bed. All right. So, it's, it's important to understand that what's happening is the fulfillment of messianic expectations. So, the Jews believed that when the Messiah would come, that the blind would see, the lame would leap, they, not just walk, leap. The lame would leap, the deaf would hear. So, there are certain signs that the children of Israel were looking for as messianic signs. These are signs that point to something. Signs point to someone. So, so there's, there's, there's these things that they were expecting and looking for and, and believing for and wanting to see that were rooted in Scripture that when they happened, it would help them to identify this is the Messiah because he is fulfilling the messianic prophetic words of Isaiah, specifically in 35.5 and 42.7. You, you can do more of that later. Now, the woman is from Canaan. She is a Greek by culture. She speaks Greek. I read real smart people, people who are smarter than I, and they think that Jesus actually spoke Greek as well and was speaking to her in Greek. It's interesting. I don't know it's true, but it's very interesting. So now, she is a Greek by culture, and she is Syrophoenician. Now, in, in that time, Phoenicia today would be Lebanon. But in that time, there are two types of Phoenicians. There was Libyan, uh, Libya Phoenicians, like Africa, North Africa. And so they're African Phoenicians. And then you have Syrian Phoenicians. So there's two types. She was the Syrian type. And um, so her daughter had a demon, more specifically, an unclean spirit. An unclean spirit. Now, this is, this is something that I want to talk to you about because of something I'm going to show you in a minute. Now, when people are defiled or violated, often they get an unclean spirit as a result of perversion or abuse. Not always, but often. And the Bible talks about if you have sex with a prostitute, you become one soul with her. And so there's, there's this idea of soul ties. This is why it's difficult for someone 
to give themselves completely to someone else because they've given themselves to 30 other people. So they are fragmented and broken. And that's okay. But God wants to then heal them and make them whole. So if, if, if some of what I'm going to say in a few minutes is touchy, you have to understand that if there's pain attached to a memory, you still need healing. So, and what that means is I have scars. I have scar on my hands right here, here and here, from a girl named Leslie Kosan in the third grade. Somehow I got her so mad that she scarred my life forever. Sarah says that's shocking. <laughs> so now, but here's the thing with the scar, it's healed. And when I, and when I think about it, it's funny. And there's no pain attached to it. And it's not infected. Why? Because it got healed. So that's a natural picture of something spiritual where you have to let the Lord in to heal you if you want to be free. This is really important. And for the men who are here, I'm going to tell you that this is not just a man issue. Now, I'm going to go back to go forward. This is from the CDC. I know some of you don't trust the CDC at all. And I don't really trust them much either. But we're going to use this as somewhat, hopefully, of a sadly accurate statistic. Okay? The reason I might believe this is because they're not selling me anything with it. Over half of women have experienced sexual violence involving physical contact during her lifetime. Half of women. So if there's ten women, five of them. Almost one in three men have experienced sexual violence involving physical contact during lifetime. So if there is three guys standing together in a huddle, the chances are one of those men was sexually abused in some way. Okay. They did research on trauma and productivity. So the cost of rape is roughly $122,461. You cannot put a price tag on purity. It's priceless. Okay? But the reason they did is because that when you have trauma in real life, it hinders your productivity in reality, okay, why am I saying this? I'm saying this because this girl had an unclean spirit. We don't know how she got an unclean spirit. We don't know if it was brujeria or santeria. Actually, we do because the Dominican Republic was not really the Dominican Republic at that time. So we know it wasn't brujeria or santeria or macumba or, or umbanda, which are African tribal demonic stuff. We knew it wasn't voodoo from Haiti. But, but we don't know if it was divination. We don't know if it was molestation or rape or violence. But somehow, this young girl got an unclean spirit. Somehow. And that means an impure spirit. So she had something living in her that God did not give her. But God is taking it from her in this scripture. So God is not the author of confusion. 
but he's the one who brings healing. So when you say, God is in control, God is in control, God is in control. No, God is not in control. God is in charge. And when Jesus came to town, that demon left, but God didn't do that. And God is not the almighty manipulator who is micromanaging everything that happens on the planet. God gave people a free choice, and those choices have consequences. Now, Jesus is a God who is the only true and living God, who is a God of compassion. And he is touched by our infirmities. And when he sees brokenness in an image bearer, it bothers him enough to do something about it. Because he loves us. Now, let me explain something to you. You know what damaged people do? Thank you, Jose. They damage others. So, if you are damaged, even if you don't mean to damage other people, you will damage other people. You go, oh, I didn't mean it. Nobody cares if you meant it. You did it. If I, if I fly down the street and I run someone's kid over and I go, oh my God, I didn't mean it. No matter how much you say you didn't mean it or how sorry you are, that child is gone and they will never be back. So all that, I didn't mean it, all that stuff, it doesn't matter. It's not real. It's an excuse not to deal with it. People say something wicked and go, oh, I didn't mean it. No, the problem is you really did mean it. Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth spoke. And scientifically, it's impossible to say something that you didn't think about. So the deeper issue is not what you said. The deeper issue is that intrinsically and deeply and profoundly, you did mean it. Now let's talk about why you meant it instead of saying sorry for saying it and then saying it again. What is it that, uh, that, that pushed you to that place of speaking like that? You have to ask yourself, if you, if you have a big, huge meltdown, what, what is it inside of you that is allowing this to continue to happen? Would I like to have a meltdown on someone? Yes, I would. Absolutely. Guess who I love more than having a meltdown on someone? Jesus. And since you bear his image, I'm not going to treat you like an animal. I would like to sometimes, if I can be honest, really let some people verbally have it, but a piece of... My mind is not going to change their heart. It's just going to bring distance in a relationship. And what people need is love and truth, but in the right context. You can't say truth out of bitterness. You have to say truth because it's true. You know, that's different. Because if I say something true, but I say it in a bitter way, it's contaminated. And instead of it bringing healing, it brings further contamination. Which is also an unclean spirit many times too. Because spirits like to speak. Demons like to, they like to talk. So now, what happens is, Jesus is peopled out. <laughs> He's peopled out. And so he wants to go into a house to rest. So this is, there's a good lesson in that. If Jesus needs to rest, and Jesus is sinless, and Jesus is fully God and fully man, you also need to learn to rest. He's intentionally moving himself away from the crowd of people. Intentionally. You have to get intentional. If you don't plan to rest, you won't rest. That's why the children of Israel were instructed on Friday to take a double portion of manna 
Because if they had to go get food, they wouldn't rest. So if you do not plan to rest, you will fail to rest. Because rest to many people is work until you understand real faith. So this is really something. So he goes to just rest and just chill out. And since he's famous because of healing and, and, and the power of the Lord is, is present to heal and where he goes, God shows up. Now people are seeking him. And so you have a Gentile woman coming to him and saying, like, my daughter is demon possessed. And then he, he doesn't even answer her. He doesn't even answer her. I don't know if you saw that. So she continues. She continues. She, she, she like presses him. And some of us are like really persistent, but we're really persistent about what we want, not what, about, not what God wants. If you would take that same persistence and zeal for what you want, why don't you take that and use that for what God wants? Because it's, it's very interesting how energetic and persistent people can be for what they want. But when it comes to what God wants, I don't see that same type of intensity. I see a little bit of discomfort, we back up. I don't see that same press for what God wants. And I know that because when I want something, I turn to level 900. 24-7. I, I, I'm a, you know, Sarah can tell you, if I put something in the scope, the red dot is on it. And it's not going to breathe very long. It's, 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 it's in. So I understand all that. But that same fervency and that same zeal and that same intensity and that same focus, why don't you put that on the things of God, not just what you want? This is all free. <laughs> so anyway, she cries out. But then he says, let the children be filled first. For it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. Now, the, the, the terminology of dogs here is not like street dogs. If you go to Africa or Haiti, you see like street dogs. They're really nasty. And they have demons too, if you ever seen any of them. Uh, anyway, so that's one story. But these are not those type of dogs. What they're talking about is little house doggies like you guys have. So just so you know, I want to tell you something. You may not even really know this, but like, the culture that we live in is not a new culture. They had pets in Rome. The rich people. All the gayness and the perversion, they did that in Rome. All the violence, they did that in Rome. All the philosophy, they did that in Greece. All the athletics, they did that in Greece. Our culture is a blend of Greco-Roman culture with white people who were willing to kill their own brothers to not be taxed. So what makes you think they wouldn't kill Indians or black people? They'll kill their own brother to not be taxed. You, it's a no-brainer. So, so to blame everything on prejudice is this and that is really ridiculous because these guys were willing to kill their own brothers to not be taxed. So what makes you think they're not going to kill natives? If they will kill their own brother, open your eyes for a second and, and come out of the, the, the fog of MAGA, come out of the MAGA fog, and, and think about reality for a second. This is the country that we live in. So, so this is so this is their, so, so this is a Greco. So they got little doggy pets too. Like you know, like you have dog Fluffy and stuff. I've been making memes out of their dog. 
on Instagram, if you follow me, I was making memes out of their dog. So, so, they, so these guys, they had, you know, little pets and stuff. And so Jesus is like, he says, I mean, that's offensive. Imagine you, Jesus is in your house and you're like, Jesus, I need you to heal my, my sister. And I, I'm not giving the children's bread to dogs. Like, what? Like, I mean, are you with me? Yeah. Are you human? <laughs> are, you guys, are you alive? Like, he's calling them, those people, little dogs. Now, I'm going to give you a brief lesson in, in biblical reality. You know what they were? They were dogs. Gentiles were unclean. You know that in the book of Revelation it talks about dogs shall not enter the holy city? That's a metaphor, probably speaking of homosexuality. But it's saying that unclean things, whether it's perversion or maybe fluffy, <laughs> shall not enter the holy city. But the point is not, do all dogs go to heaven? That's not the point. I hate to shatter your dreams. But the point of that, if all people don't go to heaven, what, what, what does that make you, like, you know, or we, what about my dog? I mean, what about people created in the image of God? <laughs> just, just for a second. Yeah, just for a second. So, he says to them, you, I, I'm not giving the children's bread to dogs. So first, he doesn't respond to her. Number one, this is a test. He doesn't respond to her. That's kind of, that can be perceived as rude. But something's happening. I want to show you what's happening. She's learning perseverance and persistence in prayer because she's talking to God. So the first time you talk to God, you're like, lo, 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 and he's like. <laughs> and then she continues. If, let me just tell you this. Can I tell you this? Thank God it was a woman. If it was the dad, she wouldn't have got healed. The dad would have went, that's it. I'm offended. I, but she's used to, she's a woman, she's used to men not listening to her. Oh. Oh. It's going to get real today. So, so she's, she's, she's tough. She's tough. She's not, she's not going to quit or give up. She's going she's gonna to press him. Nobody can press you like a woman. My God. Jesus. Thank God my wife is not like that. Holy moly. <laughs> Jesus, have mercy. So anyway, so she's pressing. I'm the type of person, you press me, you get less. Just to tell you, so you know. If you, if you press, you'll, get, you'll wind up with less. I don't like to be pressed. My pastor hated to be pressed. I used to see my mom... Press him. And I used to say, Mom, stop. Stop. Don't press people. I'm just giving you a free advice here. So now, if are we being honest or we've, we, we lost being honest? We got quiet on the way. See, you know when it gets quiet? It always gets quiet when you talk about reality. If I, if I just talk the Bible and I teach you, you know, the Syrophoenician woman was from Lebanon, and she had a demon, and da-da-da. Once I stick to that, 
no problem. But when we talk about your life and your habits and your social habits, and, that, and then, then, then it gets different. It gets quiet because the question becomes, are we going to take what is on the page and let it breathe and live in our lives? Or are we going to go, oh, that was good. Great. I can leave and have lunch now. Awesome. That's okay. But at the end of the day, that's not what this is about. This is about the Word of God becoming flesh in our life so that there is change and transformation in our life. So she's pressing Jesus because she has a pressing need. The need is real. No one wants to see their children be tormented by demons. If you have children, you, you, you cannot imagine. Remember we, one time our son was getting harassed by demons in Haiti. Remember that? And he was getting tormented and it was demonic and we had to pray and we, and we were across the street from a club which was playing sex music all night long. This would sound like, ah, 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 and on a beat. And, and my kid is like getting harassed by demons. I'm trying to kill a spider. A spider is the size of my hand. We're in Haiti. It's wild. It's wild. This is, she, knows, she knows. Sarah's been through all this stuff. So, huh? Zoe slept through it all. She has the peace of the Lord. Unless you say no to her. But Jesus said, let the little children be filled first. So let me say this to you. You are the children of God and healing is the children's bread. But this healing that he's talking about is deliverance. A demon leaving and healing coming. The devil hates healing and the devil hates hates deliverance. Here's why. When the sick are healed, it glorifies Jesus. That's one. That's one. He doesn't like that. But number two, it is a prophetic sign of the age to come and it is notifying him, one day, pal, you're going to get a full eviction notice off of the earth into a bottomless pit. So when that sign breaks forth, of deliverance and a demon leaves, it triggers Satan. You like to be, you know who gets triggered? Satan. You want to be triggered all the time? Trigger, trigger, trigger. Satan gets triggered. Jesus doesn't get triggered. Who's your daddy? All this triggering stuff. I'm triggered. I'm triggered. Get some self-control and get healing. So this is really something because... When you cast a demon out of someone, it is a sign of the age to come. The same thing with healing. Satan hates humans. When, when the sick are healed, it's a sign of the age to come that one day they will put on the immortality. They will put on the, the incorruptible seed in them, will clothe them with immortality. They will have a new body forever. Where sickness is not an option. So when you get into healing and deliverance, it stirs all types of demons and fear and unbelief because of what it represents as it relates to the age to come. 
So Satan always is trying to tell you your past, so you used to be this and that and blah, 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 and they did this to you and blah, 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 and they did that to you and blah, 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 and they didn't do this for you, blah, blah, blah. You, and when Satan tries to tell you about your past, you can also say, let me remind you of your future. Go find some other sucker to talk to. Bounce. Get out of here. I'm not listening to you. Don't listen to that voice when that voice of chaos and destruction speaks to you because that thing will try to destroy you and distract you and rob you from the moment you're in. This is the thing, that's, this is the thing that I hate about worry and anxiety. Worry and anxiety rob me of what I have right now today. We are living in, I gotta say this, I'm sorry. The, the, we are very, most of us are fat. Some of you are not fat. We are the fattest culture. We are the richest culture. We are the richest church that has ever existed on the planet of the earth. We are more medicated and more anxious with two refrigerators, food in the refrigerator, money in the bank. We don't even know what to wear because we have too much. I had the word before I had my outfit. I'm looking, I don't know what I'm going to wear. First world problems. And we are the most anxious that has ever existed. We're the most. It's like starving to death at a buffet. That's, that's the state of the mentality of the minds in the church, not in the world, in the church. We have to push against that, not that we're special, that we just want to live in what Jesus paid for. That's all. Are you, do you think you're so special? Not really, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but here's what I do want. I want to live with what Jesus paid for. If it was paid for and it's mine, I want it. Amen. That's me. I don't want to leave nothing on the table that's mine. Now, I don't mind giving things away, but I want what's mine first. I don't know if that makes sense to you. So now, it's not good to give the children's bread to little dogs. So he's helping her to understand that she is a Gentile and she is unclean. No wonder her daughter has an unclean spirit. <laughs> Where'd you get it from, mommy? <laughs> it's like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, well, uh, so don't worry, he's going to fix it, but let's feel it for a second. You've got a tormented daughter, and you've got a woman who is desperate for the breakthrough of her daughter, which is a good thing, and I respect that. I think that we could use more desperate people in the church that are really hungry and really know that they really, really need Jesus and really need a touch from Jesus. Not, not people that are lackadaisical and, and, and flim-flam, but people who are fervent in their understanding of their need for a fresh touch from God. Right? Okay. Here it comes. And she answered and said, Lord... Even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. And then he says to her in this, For this saying, For this saying, 
go your way, the demon has, past tense, has gone from your daughter. Has. This is one of the only, the two people that had great faith in the scripture were people that Jesus healed from a distance. The Roman centurion was someone who had great faith. Great faith understood how to properly relate to authority correctly. Great faith, humility is, is the wineskin that great faith can be poured into. Humility. Which is the opposite of our culture. Everything in our culture screams pride. We have a whole month to celebrate something God does not celebrate. A whole month. That is a systemic attack on the minds of a generation. To curse the future. I don't hate anyone. I love everyone. But I'm telling you, it is a war for your mind. This is a war. Your children are in a war. You, you, you got to realize, you cannot, can I tell you, have you ever been in, in a war zone? No? Have you ever been where, where people are just walking around with guns in broad daylight? Yeah. You, can I tell you something? You cannot walk around a war zone like it's all good, like you're in Wyckoff. <laughs> hey, Bill. Hey, Ted. No, 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 bro. Wait a second. This is not Bill and Ted. This is not the market basket lunch for snack. You're in a war zone, buddy. You better watch out. There's bullets flying. There's, there's, there's things, this thing's happening. There's, you ever, you could, you could, you could hit a pothole so bad that it'll flip your car over. Just a pothole. It's just dangerous just being there. You, you, you gotta watch out. So we are, whether we know it or not, in an active war zone. Active. I don't care if you live in Bergen County, Upper Bergen County, Lower Bergen County, poor you. I don't know where you live. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But, but, but listen, we are in an active war zone. And we got to stay alert. Alert, spiritually alert, sober-minded. For this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come home, she found the demon gone out and her daughter was lying on a bed. This is important. The demon, this foul, unclean spirit, will prevent you from having rest. <laughs> there was a man with an unclean spirit. The Gadareans, remember him? Remember that guy? What was he doing? Cutting himself, living in the tombs among dead people, restless, sleepless. They couldn't, they couldn't chain him. He couldn't sleep. He, he was tormented day and night. One of the things that unclean spirit does is it tries to torment you and it tries to pervert the beauty of reality, the beauty of rest, the beauty of even, even something as pure as sex between a man and a woman, a man who are married, something beautiful becomes traumatic with an unclean spirit. Many people carry trauma from their past into their marriage, and their marriage is defiled because of trauma. So they cannot enjoy the blessing of the marriage because of the unclean spirit and the trauma. Now I say this not in a critical way. I say this with compassion because God has given us 
everything to enjoy. So if you're married, God gave you your spouse to enjoy. If you have a house, God gave you a house to enjoy. God did not give you a house so the house could have you. God has given us generously stuff to enjoy it, and we should feel thankful for it, not bad about it. Don't feel bad for what you have. I hate when I hear people, I feel bad, I feel bad, I feel bad. Feeling bad doesn't do anything good. How about you feel thankful? Not privileged, not entitled. How about thankful? Thankful. Because when you're thankful, you are aware of what you have, which means you can steward what you have, which means you can get more, and then you can be an instrument of blessing. People go, I just want enough for my family. I just want enough for my family. Yeah, great. Nobody else matters but your family. Awesome. That's awesome. That's a great mentality. That's a loser mentality. I want more than enough. You have two eyes, not one. You can live with one eye. There's people who live successful lives blind. There are people that have more money than me, they're blind. They can't even see. Are you serious? You, you got two ears. You can live with one ear. There's people that are deaf. They got more money than all of us. Research it. God is generous. How many, how many kidneys you got? You can live with one kidney. I saw your kidney. 500,000. That was play. <laughs> but you know, listen, you could live with one kidney. God gave you two kidneys. God is generous. God is abundant. God is generous and God is abundant. You will not serve or love someone that you don't believe is generous and abundant. You will not represent him well if you are not aware that he's generous and abundant. If you don't know that he's generous and abundant, you won't be generous and you won't be abundant. And you know what I figured out about generous and abundant people? People want them around. Go figure. It's like, well, I invite you to my house and you bring cookies, I'm going to invite you back. <laughs> you see how that works? People want to be around generosity and abundance. Just so you know. Do you know what this woman is living with? Lack. She has an unclean spirit. Her daughter is tormented. And she calls Jesus son of David. You know the people that called Jesus the son of David? They all got miracles. There was blind Bart. Remember blind Bart? Bartimaeus. Imagine that. You're such a significant person that the Bible gives you a name, but you're blind. That's like, it's like significant blind guy. That's like blind man. And a blind Bart goes, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and what happens? His eyes are open. Mercy looks like something. Remember I said signs and wonders, goodness and mercy follow you? Goodness, the, the goodness and the mercy of God are the attributes of God that release signs and wonders. That's why when I say goodness and mercy is following me, I believe that. I need it to follow me if I'm following Jesus. <laughs> if you're following Jesus and it's not following you, it's like, which Jesus are you following? You know, like. <laughs> so anyway, that's another message. But... This is really something. So, she, she, so the first thing is she's like, um, you know, he doesn't even answer her. 
This is, this is the lesson. She, can you help me? Then he says, no, I can't, I can't, I can't give you the, you know, the children's bread to dogs. Now he's telling her she's a dog, she's unclean, and, and, and there's room to be offended. Just so you know. Like, if you're talking to Jesus, just know that he could offend you. So if someone says something to you that's true and it offends you, maybe you need to be offended. Maybe if you're not offended, you won't change. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe the offense is going to identify something in your life that's wrong and then you have the power to make it right. Because both people who had great faith, one is someone who refused to be offended. Two, the other one was someone who understood how authority operates, which is two things our generation hates. Hates. We have people policing the internet if you say something that is offensive to them. In a free, supposedly free society, I myself have been censored. You know that. I don't have to go over that again. But you have a generation of people that hates authority, but loves the benefits of authority. I hate you because you have privilege, but I want some of your privilege. Send me a check. Interesting. I really, that's real interesting. So, so this is really intellectually incoherent. It doesn't make any sense. But when you're, when you're talking to people who think with their feelings, everything is feelings, you, you cannot reason with feelings. And if the feelings don't get healed, they will not be able to reason and you lose your mind. Because everything is feelings. Now some things are feelings and that's beautiful and God gave you those feelings to sanctify them and to enjoy them and I hope you have a tremendous feelings experience with sanctified feelings. But if you are in, so sensitive that everything is feelings, you have no logic in your mind, you, everything is based on feelings, you're going to really always be offended, always e easily sensitive and, and you're just not going to be successful really. You're just going to be like average at best average and it's really sad because that's that's what is dominant in our generation the generation of people who hate authority and who are overly sensitive and guess who's supposed to actually protect sensitive people authority so they hate what is ordained to protect them So great faith only operates in a proper understanding to authority. Even this woman, she comes to Jesus, bows down before him, calls him Lord, which means she's saying that he is above her. That is a proper understanding of authority because indeed he is above her. So great faith, mega faith, big faith only operates when you can get past offense and when you can understand how to properly relate to authority. And this is the culture. Who are they going to, they're not going to tell me. Who do you think you are? Who does he think he is? The pastor says this and that. Blah, 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 blah. Oh yeah? I'm only saying stuff for your well-being. I need another conflict like I need a hole in the head. 
I, I need another conversation, uh, like, like a hole in the head. I say stuff, maybe it stings, maybe it's not easy. I want to see you free. Why? Because if you're free, other people will get free. I mean, I'll just say it. Teen and DK have been marching through the church helping people get free. And I see the difference on some of y'all. So I know what happens with free people. They help other people get free. They don't have to advertise. They don't have to say, look what I did. I just see, dang, okay, this has got a good smile on. God is doing something. Oh, he, okay. Something's happening there. We had someone head down, head is up now. Okay. All right. God is a lifter of our head. Let's do this. Boom. God is moving. So, so, so now this is, this is great faith. Faith is, is here to bring freedom to this young girl who is being tormented. God does not want to see you tormented. I, I don't know how to say this. I want to, I, I, you know, sometimes <laughs> if you are living in bondage, that is not God's best for your life. God wants you to be free. Because he loves you. Because you matter to him. Because he cares about you. Anyway. So after the demon leaves her, she's able to rest. She's able to rest. This, this, is, a, this is important. So when you, when you have an unclean spirit, guess what you have? A restlessness. A restlessness that doesn't want you to enjoy your present reality. I was thinking about that. This is what the enemy does. The enemy always lies to us saying, okay, you can't be happy unless you have this. Okay, you can't be happy unless you drive that. Okay, you can't be happy unless you live here. Okay, you can't be happy unless you have a baby. Okay, you can't be happy unless you have two babies. Okay, you can't be happy unless you have three babies. Now you have no dogs. Look at you. What kind of parent would have no dogs for their children? No, you can't be happy without dogs. Now you need dogs. And, and so the enemy tells you 563 things as to why you can't be happy and why you cannot enjoy your present reality. Why? Because he's miserable. And he wants to make you miserable. <laughs> it's like, it's pretty simple. Have you ever noticed miserable people share what they have? You ever, know, you ever meet someone and they're just in a miserable state? And it's like every time they talk to you, their misery leaks on you. I had to make someone aware of this the other day. I said, do you realize every time we talk, it's always complaining? It's all you do is, is, is complain. It's miserable. Obviously, it was private, but... You know, this is, you don't want to be that person. You, you don't want to be uh, robbed of the beauty of what you already have. So anyway, let me go back and, and we're, we're going to be uh, finished in just a couple minutes here. Thank you for bearing with me today. So, <laughs> they know already what's happening. So anyway, uh, <laughs> healing is a children's bread. I said it. I'm sticking to it. Jesus said it. It's like, it's safe to stick to what Jesus said. Just let you know. But do you know that she prays three times? She doesn't get a break to until the third time? Persistence. There you go. Persistence in prayer. If you're going to press, don't press me. 
press Jesus. <laughs> I'm not Jesus. <laughs> you know, like, don't press your husband. Leave him alone. Don't press your wife. Leave her alone. It's <laughs> like, press Jesus. Keep, keep pressing in. She refused to be offended. She could have been offended by misunderstanding. He didn't respond to her initially. And then he said, I'm not going to give the children's bread to dogs. And here's, here's the, the reality of it. This is what I want to say, say to you about the whole dog thing. It's not easy to hear something that is biblical. For example, I'll give you an example. Oh, little Johnny's addicted. Oh, poor little Johnny. Oh, I feel bad for little Johnny. I should have used Johnny. Johnny! Johnny! We'll use Bill. We're going to change Johnny because Johnny has different connotations. So we're going to talk about Billy. Poor little Billy. Billy's addicted. Billy has trauma. Billy has a drug addiction. Billy, you know what the Bible says about Billy? Let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says, as a fool, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool to his folly. So we may go, oh, Billy's got an addiction. God himself says Billy is a fool. And if Billy doesn't repent, he's going to die and go to hell. And Jesus himself drank hell in a cup so we wouldn't have to go there. And so Jesus paid the price for that. And Jesus can look at the situation more accurately than anyone else. And so if you start to define things biblically, it's way different than looking at it through natural eyes. What is, like we, we go, an atheist, you know, an atheist. The Bible says a fool says there's no God. You, you can't convince a fool. You can pray for a fool. Not even the devil is an atheist. The de not even demons, not even a lying spirit is an atheist. This says that the demons believe and tremble. So the, so the devil is a believer, not a disciple. That's a whole other situation. People believe, but when you question their lifestyle, which is discipleship, when you question how they speak, which is discipleship, that's when the pushback comes. Not when we talk about, oh, John 3, 16, I believe. That's not where the pressure comes with the church folks. The pressure comes when you challenge the lifestyle. That's, that's, where, that's where there's... there's. So anyway, she pressed through all of that and she got her miracle. So if you want to get a miracle, you got, sometimes you got to press and you got to refuse to be offended and you got to refuse to be overly sensitive. Don't, don't be overly sensitive. If, if, let, me, let me say something to you guys, all of you. If you're someone that everyone has to think 33 times before they speak to you, nobody's going to want to talk to you. You know, like, well, if I say this, they're going to be offended. If I say that, they're going to get offended. If I say this way, they're going to be offended. Basically, there's no way that they're not going to be offended because they live offended. So I can't really say anything because they're going to get offended. So in addition to their offense robbing them, now it's starting to encroach on me. And your fence is your fence. Don't build a fence on my lawn. Get your fence out of my lawn. Yeah, it's not my problem. 
And it's not your job to tiptoe around people's brokenness. It's their responsibility to get healed. To get healed, to let God heal you so that you can, you're not overly sensitive. Why? Why do I say that? I'm not being insensitive by saying that. You will not get, you will not be an instrument in the hand of the Lord and you will not have a powerful and successful career in the natural if you're overly sensitive. It just can't happen. It won't happen. You'll, you'll always be, people who are overly sensitive are always average. They can never break beyond average because they are overly sensitive. And in the kingdom, if you're going to be useful in the kingdom, you, you got you to gotta be durable. You, because you're going to go through stuff. You've you got to become durable. All right. Now, we must learn perseverance in prayer. We must not be overly sensitive or easily offended. If you are like that, allow Jesus to heal your heart. When your heart is healed, watch this. Your reflexes change. When someone is healed, instead of being sensitive and offended, they seek to understand where is the other person coming from. It's just the reflexes are different. One of the reasons we're not slow to speak and we say whatever we want and do whatever we want is because it gives us safety. If I, if I get offended and I shut you down out of my heart and I close my heart to you, now you can't hurt me. And now I'm like a little puppy that didn't get adopted at the mall. You know what I mean? The one in the window, like, please, someone love me. Yeah, but you got to get healed, though. Like, that's not healthy to be like that. You know, a wounded puppy. No, that's not. Okay, we understand that great faith knows how to relate correctly to authority with humility. You will have a regard for authority when you have humility. Humility precedes honor. When someone knows that you're humble, not sound humble, not fake humble, but real humble, it's different. They want to honor you. People want to honor you because you're not seeking your own honor. They want to honor you. Okay, final. Great faith refuses to be offended and perseveres in prayer. If I'm offended, I don't want to persevere. You know, when we get offended, we say, Oh, why bother? No one's listening to me anyway. <sighs> and we go then, then pity party. And can I tell you one thing about a pity party? No one wants to come to my pity party and no one wants to come to your pity party. They don't want to come. And let me tell you something about someone who's actually powerful. There's powerful people, and I mean good powerful. I don't mean sick powerful. Good powerful people, nice ones. They smile. They have the joy of the Lord. They really won't come to your pity party. Really won't. So someone who has the ability to lift you out of your pity party certainly will not attend your pity party. It's one thing to hear. It's one thing to be compassionate. It's one thing to get some stuff off your chest. Hey, man, I get that. We all need that. I think that's healthy. I think that's important. But if it's always complaining and it's always a pity party, what you do is you isolate yourself from people who can help you. Because people that can help you don't want to hear that because they didn't get in a position to help you thinking like that. 
you, you have to you have to think about this. Let's just talk about something black and white for a second. Let's talk about money. Let's say you're having an economic issue in your life. Blah blah blah. You have problems. I'm not going to receive an offering so everyone can just breathe differently. Let's say you have an economic problem in your life and, and you need $5,000, let's just say, $5,000. Not a big, but you know, something. You need $5,000, okay. Now, someone comes up, hey, the Lord, you know, the Lord put you on my heart. I wanted to give this young couple, let's just say, $5,000, boom. Right? What people never realize, this is what people don't realize. Most people don't get this. For that person to have $5,000 that they don't need and they don't want, because when I give you $5,000, let's say, it means that I want you to have it more than I want to hold it. So if someone gives you $50, they want you to have it more than they want to hold it. You have to, you have to people sometimes don't understand this type of stuff. So, so he get, they give this young couple, they go, I see a missionary calling on this young couple. I see the power of God on this young couple. I want to bless this young couple. And so someone gives this young couple, let's say $5,000. The guy that gave them $5,000 had the ability, one, to earn $5,000. Not everyone can just earn $5,000. For some of us, $5,000 represents a bunch of time. Not one deal or one check or one thing but some some people you know that's a lot of heads you're cutting or that's a lot of you know spreadsheets you're going through or whatever it is that you do but that's a lot it's not a little and the guy who can just get it on one check eventually somehow and before that he did something to get him in a position to be able to do that so that he has now five thousand dollars why am i going on this I'm, I'm trying to explain something to you that person that could earn that money and could give that money and has the heart to give that money, they learn something that the person that needs the money probably still didn't learn. They learn how to say no to themselves. No. No. Yep. You, it, it's easier. I'm going to go, Jose's saving for a watch, right? Me too. This is a confession here. So now we're saving for watch. I found that it's easier to buy 30 pairs of sneakers than one watch. Why? Here's why. Sneakers come in a few days. The delayed gratification of saving for something valuable that may appreciate is different than spending immediately on something that will eventually lose value. You see, you see the difference? So one requires no, 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 no. If you want to have abundance in your life, in your soul, I'm not just talking about money, you have to learn how to say no. Last thing, and this is my last thing. I'm going to close this. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get my notes out. There are three decisions that you have to learn in your life if you're going to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Three decisions only. Three decisions. Jesus says, when you give, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. When. He didn't say if. He said when. 
Here's what giving is. Giving is saying yes to God and yes to someone else. Prayer is not, I know this is going to shock some of us, prayer is not me getting Jesus to say yes to Adam. Although I, I with burning passion and, and fervent in spirit, I have that same desire as you to control God into doing everything I want. <laughs> right? That's our humanity. But unfortunately, <laughs> that's not what prayer is about. Prayer is about you learning to say yes to the heart of God and yes to what God wants. So prayer is not getting God to align with me. It's getting me to align with God. And fasting is something that removes unbelief. Not because you're starving yourself and changing God's mind, but you're choosing God over your own needs and over not only over desires, but over needs for a season. So you're learning how to say no. If you don't learn how to say no, you will not be successful in your calling because the favor on your life will open things up to you that are not for you. But if you're an opportunist, you will jump at everything and you will lose. You'll lose. So not everything that is open for you is for you. So if you don't learn to say no, you will hurt yourself. You have to say no, you'll hurt your family. Just because something is there doesn't mean it's good. Like not everything that glitters is gold, you know. So anyway, this was a hostage situation totally. Total hostage. When this guy stands up back there and Brett is there, I, I just feel disempowered. So anyway, Lord, we thank you for this day, God. Happy Mother's Day to these ladies that bear with us, God. Happy Mother's Day to the mothers-to-be. Lord, we pray for just fruitful wombs, healthy babies, church growth, spiritually, naturally, supernaturally. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing. And I, I want to just pray, if you, if you feel that you have restlessness or anxiety, if you are going through something deep in your life, I want to just pray over you if you're here and if you're watching. Father, I just pray for just a removal of unclean spirits, that every unclean spirit that hears the sound of my voice has to go in Jesus' name, that these people cannot be tormented. They do not, uh, restlessness is not their portion in Jesus. And so, Lord, we just release the peace of Christ in their heart, in their body, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.